much more to Alan Webster than it can be to me, who writes for the House to House, Heart to Heart. Uh, I just thought it was a great uh, track that he had put out, and so I wanted to talk about this. We talked a little bit about this the other day in Bible class. Sins Lens. It's kind of an unusual title. If, let's talk about sin for just a minute, uh, and we're going to look at it through different views. If sin were an animal, it would be a snake. And as I thought about these things, uh, snakes to me, aren't very scary if I can see where it is. But now, if I step on it, uh, I jumped across the fence one time. I climbed up on a woven wire fence with my brother David, and he had jumped first, and then I jumped second. And then when I jumped, there was a blowing viper there. They looked like something you see in India. And it raised up, and but they say they can't strike is what I've heard. I don't know anything about that. But I know one thing. The first jump was from the fence down to the ground, and the second jump was probably a world record. It, <laughs> you don't want to jump on top of them. I guess the first one made him mad, and the second one made him real mad. And anyway, But a snake surprises us. They startle us. They scare us. They, they are unexpected. And sin can be uh, likened to that. Sometimes I've heard countless people that with drug addictions and stuff said, and alcohol is a problem. Say, I didn't mean for it to. I didn't mean for it to end this way. There are people right now in the penitentiary that went in to rob a convenience store to get fifty dollars to support their drug habit or something like that. That things went wrong. They went terribly wrong, and they shot somebody. And now they're looking at life without parole. And I know they're saying, "Oh, I didn't mean for it to do that. I just wanted to buy some crack. I just wanted to buy some, you know, some meth." didn't mean for it to be that. Sin surprises. It startles. It scares. If it were a sickness, it would be cancer. Cancer is a terrible, terrible, terrible. There's nobody in the world ever wants to go to the doctor and the doctor say, well, I think you might have cancer. That's just the worst. It's the worst. Heart disease is bad. Kidney disease is bad. Liver failure is bad. Cancer is just, it's just scary and it's mean and it's ornery and it's terrible. Sin would be cancer. If it were a chemical, it would be poison. There's all sorts of great chemicals that we use every day of our life, and I'm glad we have them for cleaning purposes, for all different things, way too numerous for me to mention. But it would be poison if it was, if it was a chemical. And we know, folks, we should know, if there's poison, stay far, far away from it. Stay far, far away from it. In medical terms, it is the disease. Sin is oftentimes referred to a disease. In geographic terms, it is quicksand. I heard a guy on Facebook not too long ago. He's about my age. And we watched westerns all the time when we were little. And he said that as he grew older, he said, as I've grown older, the things that have surprised me is there's not as much quicksand as I thought there would be. Because in the old westerns, there was always quicksand, okay? And it seemed like it was prevalent. It was everywhere. There's quicksand everywhere. And, oh, I'm trapped in quicksand. Fury, go get somebody. Get the rope, you know, save me. 
And, uh, but in geographic terms, it's quicksand. And we know what quicksand is, it, it, even though we may not know much about it here in the United States. But in places in South America and Africa, places like that, there's places that if you fall in quicksand, the more you struggle to get out, the further you sink. And if somebody can't get you out or you can't get a hold of something substantial, you're going to sink. That's what sin does. It gets a hold of you. And you're just smart out smoking a little dope with your buddies. And the next thing you know, you advance. And you move on. And you advance. And you move on. And the next thing you know, you're shooting heroin. Because the quicksand has got you. And it's pulling you down. In weather words, it is a hurricane. And we know what hurricanes do. Sometimes we see them out in the ocean. We don't fret too much about them. They're not too big of a problem out there. The boats know to stay far, far away. But when that hurricane comes and hits your house, you got a real problem. Total, absolute, 100% complete destruction most often. And it will take your life. Sin can be all of those things. To the hunted, it is a trap. To the hunted, it is a trap. Sin, I was thinking about when I think of traps. My brother David used to trap a lot. And he was pretty good at it. I never trapped. But I was a sidekick, okay? I'd go along with David. And whenever we found an animal that was in the trap, the more that animal tried to get loose, the worse it was. Where'd you go getting loose? If your trap is set right and, it's, and it catches the animal the way it's supposed to, there is no getting loose, okay? So if you're hunted, it is a trap. How many of you see deer blinds out all, all over the place? You know, you see them inside the roads and stuff like that. People are up in those deer blinds because the deer's looking at the grass and they're looking for an animal or a human here, but they don't look up, okay? They just don't look up. Humans aren't supposed to be 20 feet in the air. But when they don't look up, lots of times, that's when they get the bow and arrow or the arrow or the, or the bullet. It's to the treasure seeker, it is fool's gold. To the treasure, it looks better than it is. Uh, there's a saying that years ago, whenever people were really hunting for gold, not everything that glitters is gold. You've heard that saying, okay? And the old prospectors would tell you, nothing that glitters is gold. Because most time you would not see that glitter. You would have to understand the, 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 the blackness of the rock. Would, then when you chipped inside. So if you saw something, oh, there's something shiny and sparkling that's gold, it most likely was not. It was fool's gold. And that's exactly what sin is. Sin looks good. It looks really good. Just taste it. Just try it. Just do it. It looks good. Folks, it may be fool's gold. To the wagon train, it's an ambush. I have thought about this a lot. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but we live in a place that's well lit, okay? Every place is well lit. If a street light goes out, we probably call somebody. Street light's out. Well, do you really need it? We need a bath. You really need I want it today. I, you know, we, we're well lit, okay? It's hard to see the stars. It's hard to see the moon because it's so well lit. If you're out camping or something in the middle of nowhere, you can see those things. And you also can see other than how dark it is, how incredibly dark it is, okay? And I've always thought about these people walking through these uh, Cumberland Gap, you know, Daniel Boone, or a wagon train going out west. And everything's looking pretty good. Looks pretty good. Looks pretty good. Looks pretty good. Oh, it's terrible. And many a soul, folks, has lost their life. And when two minutes early, it looked good. It just looked good. But it was too dark. It was too hidden. It was too much of an ambush. It got up just like that. And to life, sin is death. Now we've talked about all these attributes of sin. 
that it's a snake, that it's an ambush, that it is a trap, it is a hurricane, that most people aren't afraid of it. Now, there's people, Teresa's one of them, where you all at today, they're scared of snakes, okay? I know Teresa's scared to death of snakes. Teresa's a sweet person, probably not afraid of too many things, but if it's a snake, no part of it, okay? Some people, though, just aren't afraid of sin. Well, we just compared it to cancer. We just compared it to death. We just compared it to a hunted in a trap, an ambush, a hurricane. We're not afraid of it. They have learned to look at it through lenses that deform its true character. Let's look at some of those. We're going to look at some of these lenses. Now, we already know what lenses are. Lenses are things that put in your glasses or put in a lot of other instruments. And thank goodness they have them. Because if I didn't have these glasses, it would be hard for me to read. I could read in the real bright daylight. If I had a big enough light up here that would blind you all, I could probably read it. But you need your lenses. But sometimes we look at life through dark sunshades. Have you ever been in a place that was pretty dark and uh, somebody was uh, wearing sunglasses? I'll tell you what, years ago I raised five acres of tobacco for Fox Spoon in Lord Hull, Kentucky. And so Daddy found this young man that's going to help us working the tobacco. So Mom and I go to Hotel Walker in Leicester and pick him up. And this guy looks like a preacher standing there. He's standing there like this up against the wall with a sport coat on and nice, you know, shoes. And uh, I walked right past him. They went looking for him. I walked right past him. I said, uh, went to, I said I'm looking for Johnny Joseph. And I had his name wrong. His name was Gary Joseph, but he didn't tell me that either. And he goes, right here. So we get him, take him to the stripping room. Well, Fox had two stripping rooms, one real good one, and went to the other barn, Jill, that was, didn't have any electric in it, had windows. And it's foggy and overcast and rainy, just like it is in November and December and things like that. And my boy Gary stands there and strips the back with sunglasses on. He's got these dark glasses on. And he's, <laughs> you can't see your hand on your face with no glasses on. But Fox comes along, and Fox and I go outside and talk things over a little bit. He said, Shelby Roy, that guy's got on sunglasses. <laughs> I said, I know. And uh, anyway, bless his heart. He, he seemed like they were not really for the occasion, okay? But he did okay, so we were, we were fine. Dark sunshade sometimes obscure what you're trying to see. We know that. That's, Kevin had some glasses that turned here, you know, for a while. And he hated them, okay? Because when they needed to be lighter, they were darker. You know, or, or lighter or darker, they, needed, they were lighter. First Kings 16, 30 through 30, the one the Bible tells us, and Ahab, the son of Amri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. Now, folks, if you're in First Kings chapter 16, you've already read about a lot of evil. But the Bible says Ahab did evil above all that came before him. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter Ethbal, the king of Zizonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. 1 Kings 16, 30, 31. It was a light thing for him to follow after the sins of Jeroboam. What does the Bible tell us about King Jeroboam? He caused Israel to sin. King Jeroboam was in the northern kingdom and he said, I don't want those people to go back to Jerusalem to worship God. That's what they're supposed to do. But what I'll do is I'll put up images here in these groves in the northern kingdom and they'll stay close to home. Because if they go back, they might stay. 
And if they stay, that lessens my influence. That lessens my kingdom. That lessens my money coming in. I'll make them places to worship right here. He walked in the sins of Jeroboam who caused Israel to sin. He says it was a light thing for him to do. He he disregarded it. It didn't mean anything to him. He did evil above all. Remember the story of Jesus? When Jesus is being tried. Matthew 27, 25. This is some of the worst words I have ever heard in my life. I preached a sermon about this one time. Then I answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. If they had just said, Let His blood be on us, I could probably deal with that. If you don't care about yourself, that's one thing. But folks, when you don't care about these children, you went into another realm in my opinion. You went into another. Let His blood be on us and on our children. Do what you want to, God. We don't care. We're going to get rid of this person, Jesus. Jeremiah 8, 12. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No, they were not ashamed. Neither could they blush. They were not ashamed. Neither could they blush. The things they were doing, they weren't ashamed of them. They couldn't even blush about it. Some people today, influential intellectuals, deny the real reality of sin. We hear it all the time. We hear it all the time. I guarantee you, if I ran for a public office today, my enemies would say, he's against abortion. He's against gay marriage. That's the first thing they say. They'd splash it all over the news. He's he's a terrible person. Oh, he's a terrible person. He's against those things. And they can name a lot of us. What used to be black is gray. And gray is white. Those people cannot see, hear, or feel with their inner faculties because their spiritual senses are dull. Jesus says it like this in Matthew 13, 15. For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Jesus says they can't see. And they can't hear. Their senses are dulled. If they could only see what's really good. Has anybody ever taken a walk into a cemetery? Surely you've been into a cemetery sometime or another in your life. Folks, that's reality there. That's not a make-believe world. It's not scary. It's not offensive. It's reality. Okay? And in my opinion, cemeteries are sacred ground. Those people have gone on before. Some of them live little tiny lives, a day, half a day, stillborn. Others have not lived lives long at all. Others may have lived, well, they live to be 105. Isn't that wonderful? And it is. The folks, those people have gone on before, and they would tell you, beauty does not last. Money does not last. Nothing lasts. Relationships do not last except the relationship you have with your Savior. That's the only one that lasts. Dark, dark sunshades, folks, can make us not see what things really are. Make us not see what things really are. What about rose-colored glasses? This is the people I'm surrounded with as a general rule, wear rose-colored glasses. I don't see anything wrong with them. As Brent said this morning, it's not for Brent's, it's not Brent's call. It's the Lord's call, okay? Are we going to do what the Lord said? 
you're not, you, when you get to heaven, if, if the judgment day, not to heaven, when you get to judgment day, you said, well, Shelby Roy didn't see anything wrong with it. What is wrong with you? What if, what if I, you said, I believe my tire on my car is really, really, really slick. And I said, I don't even really bother to look at it because I don't care because I don't want to be bothered with it. I said, I don't see nothing wrong with it. And you drive down the road and you get killed. Well, Roy said there wasn't wrong with it. And you're still just as dead, aren't you? You're still just as dead. When the kids started driving, I said, when you're at the red light and it turns green, I said, it's green, you can go, but you better look and make sure you're not coming. Because you would be right to go, but you'll be dead if the guy beside you is not stopping. Pay attention, folks, because it matters. Why does anything wrong with it? It's, I'm not looking left or right. Forget that. They're supposed to stop. I'm going because it says go. And it's my turn. I've waited. I'm going. I'm not going, folks, if that car's not going to stop or that truck's not going to stop. Some people read the scripture and say, well, I don't see it that way. The Bible's not hard to understand. The Bible is not hard to understand. There's some words in there that's hard to pronounce, but it's not hard to understand all the things that pertain to salvation. It's not hard to understand. And they don't see it that way. Prejudice prevents them from seeing the truth. But God's word hasn't changed, nor will it. We must take off the rose-colored shades, folks. <clears throat> Isaiah says this a long time ago, 750 years before Jesus is even born. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Can we see how wrong that is? Just say with coffee. I don't drink coffee, but I know what coffee tastes like. And I know a lot of people like to put sugar in it, okay? What, have you ever heard anybody say, well, I want to put something real bitter in my coffee? I doubt it. I doubt it. We understand that bitter is not sweet and sweet is not bitter. We understand that. We used to understand, I think, that evil was evil and good was good. And now people are trying to squelch that and make it seem like it's not. But God's word is always the same. Listen to Proverbs 17, 15. He that justifieth the wicked or he that condemneth the just, even they both are abomination to the Lord. They both are an abomination to the Lord. The Bible tells the Lord doesn't change. What he was, what he is, or what he will be is exactly the same. Those people that would wrongly condemn somebody that was just are guilty. It's an abomination to God. Don't you dare say something about somebody that's not true. But on the other hand, don't you let go of somebody that you know is not doing right. Both are an abomination. But today we have new words for, we don't use abomination anymore. That's out. Abomination is out. What it is now is immaturity. Well, they were just young. They were just young. They didn't know any better. Misdirection. Well, they were just got with some bad, bad folks. A, de a defect, a mistake. And we've, we've, we've watered it down. Lust is love. That's all that is, is just love. Hardcore pornography, that's art. Lying is coloring the truth. Dishonesty, well, that's good business. Homosexuality is an alternate lifestyle. Gambling, that's a good thing because we pay for education with it. Violence is blowing off steam. Drunkenness is alcoholism. Baby killing, that's just abortion, a woman's choice. And adultery, spicing up a marriage. 
We've changed the wording, okay? We don't want it to sound bad. We don't want to hear fornication. We don't want to hear uh, 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 adultery. We don't want to hear those words. Used to, when people did something wrong, they were put in jail. They were put in the penitentiary. Not so, not anymore. Detention facility. Group home, something like that. Anything that just, let's just smooth it down. Let's just ease it down. We don't want hard words. The word penitentiary comes from the word penitent. The Quakers in 1711 built a big building in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And it was to put people in that were criminals. And you know what the penalty was? You had a room to yourself and they gave you a Bible. And you were not allowed to say one word to one person. And you learned to be penitent. Okay? That's what they thought would be the right thing. I think we probably need that again. You got people in, in prisons now having sex with each other and taking drugs and doing every kind of thing in the world. And it's not too bad a situation for a lot of people because we want things to look good. Rose-colored glasses. Modesty, that's just backward quaintness. Chastity is old-fashioned inhibition. Disgusting is having a broad outlook. Standing for the faith is standing in the way of progress. Living in sin is a trial marriage. And prayer is psychological feedback. It's just a trial marriage. It's just, there's something wrong with you if you think you need to talk to God in prayer. There's something wrong with you physically. Mentally, I mean. We also can look at sin through a telescope. I can see your sin, but I can't see mine. Folks, we're all guilty of that to some degree. Telep is great for seeing objects a long way off, but it's terrible for seeing something. If somebody says, I've got a nickel, can you tell me what year it was made? Well, I'll look through my telescope. People would say, there's something wrong with you. You'd never see it. Now, if you want to look at the moon, the stars, wonderful. It's for looking at something far off. That's what we do with sin. I can see Connie's. I can sure see Shorty's, but I don't see mine. Because I've got this telescope and I'm zooming it in on all those people out there in the world. This is a person who knows about every sin committed by another's family, but can't see a thing wrong with theirs. 1 Timothy 5, 21, the Bible says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. Folks, we're all in the same boat. And we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. God is not going to say, well, Shelby Roy, you were an elder in church. You get a little special treatment. Absolutely. Brent said this morning, those of us that are teachers, and we all are teachers, will be held to a higher standard. So instead of getting preferential treatment, it looks to me like Shelby Roy is going to get a little harsher treatment. You were in charge, along with the other elders, of making sure the gospel is preached in that church. You were charged, along with the other elders, making sure that people were fed, that people were clothed. You were charged, along with the other elders, of building up the church. What did you do? Well, I couldn't worry about that, God. I was too busy looking at all these sins that I'm seeing. Folks, it's not right. God held Eli responsible for his children, family's behavior, his two sons. You know the story of Hophni and Phinehas, his two sons. 1 Samuel 3, 13, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Hophni and Phinehas 
women would come to the altar or come to the temple to make sacrifice. They were priests and they would have sex with the women at the door of the temple. That's what God wants you to do. Now, folks, that's vile. That's disgusting. That's nasty. That's what they did. And Eli knew about it. And Eli told them about it, but they would not stop. It was too little, too low. We hear about this sometimes in the religious world today. Priests or preachers molesting children. Having affairs. Things such as that. Folks, it should not be. You're preaching in the pulpit not to do something and you're doing it. Or you may be doing something much worse than that. Some people condemn an action in general until it becomes specific to someone they love. <laughs> it's okay. This is, this is my family. We're kind of exempt from those rules. There's a little shield here and there's a little wall. and My family, that don't apply to us. Because, you know, we come from good stock. You know, their mom and dad was good folks. And my ancestors, they were all members of the church. And so I know my son did something terrible or my daughter did something terrible. But it, they've kind of got a shield of protection over them because they're different. They're different. Till it becomes specific to someone they love. And I understand that. I know exactly what it means. Some people are opposed to divorce and remarriage for just any cause. But it changed their minds when it ended their family. And folks, that's a prevalent attitude. Some people condemn others for missing services of the church while they themselves may dress immodestly. Some will castigate others for dancing while themselves are gossiping about it. One will condemn a drunk even though he may lie or curse. Let's wear the jewel of consistency, not by being tolerant of sin, but avoiding it and opposing it fairly across the board. If it's my daughter, if it's my son, if it's my grandson, if it's my wife, if it's sin, it's sin. And if it's your family, it's sin. Folks, it's the only way you can be. Because there will be no sins in heaven. No sins in heaven. If you die tonight in a shootout with the police while robbing the bank, I thought about that today. What are your chances of going to heaven? The world tells me, well, he's a good fella. Good fella. Now, I'm not judging anybody. But folks, you can't leave this world with sin. What if the last thing you did was point a gun at a policeman trying to kill him while you're running away from the law? What if that was the last thing you did before that bullet penetrated your heart? We all think we have the answer to that. What if the last thing you did tonight was sleep with your lover in the bed, you weren't married, and you died before the morning came? Very last thing you did. What if that was the last thing you did? Folks, sin has to be looked at with reality. There it is. It's real. It's vicious. It's vile. Some people look at sin through bifocals. Your sin looks really big. Mine looks really small. Some people cannot seem to focus on the beam that's close up, but they can clearly see the moat far off. This is a little bit like the telescope, but bifocals make things easy to see if you're trying to read. And as you get past 40 years old, most likely you will need bifocals. Self-criticism is much more difficult for most than criticism of others. I don't know about you, though. This is one thing maybe I don't have trouble with, but my biggest critic is Shelby Roy Hawkins. Because I know, better than you know, what's wrong with me. 
And I think we all need to be self-critical sometimes. We don't have to beat ourselves up. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But we have to be self What am I doing? What am I doing? Let's, as Toby Key says, um, I want to talk about me in the song. I'm talking to the girl. I want to talk about me for a while. Now, I'm not talking about bragging about me. I want to talk about me. What are you leaving out? What are you not doing? What are you paying most attention to? And what are you paying the least attention to? If you're going to be interested in me and I'm better than everybody else, then you, you want to be a Pharisee. That was their stock and trade. Jesus said, Matthew 23, 4, they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move one with the tip of their fingertips. I'm going to lay it on them, folks. They have got the problem, but don't come looking at me because we're good to go. Paul spoke of the danger of young widows being supported by the church in 1 Timothy 5, 13. And with them, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Do we ever do that? Do we ever tattle? Do we ever gossip? Do we ever talk from house to house? Well, what about that sorry thing? He's a pretty good preacher, but blah, 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 blah. Well, he's a pretty good song leader, but blah, 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 blah. We all do that from time to time. It's awful when we do that. Christians will suffer, but should never suffer for being a busybody. Bible teaches us never to ignore sin. Genesis, uh, we are to help our brother out of the ditch, for we really are our brother's keeper. In Genesis 4 9. We really are our brother's keeper. We need to look out and say, I see trouble in someone's life. Let's throw stones. Let's condemn. No. Let's go help. Let's go help. I heard Jerry Clower say that one time. It seemed like the world today is so quick to condemn, but they're very, very slow to lend a helping hand. Folks, Christians need to be real. I'm going to help you up. I'm not going to like the sin, and I'm not going to appreciate the sin, but I'm going to help you up. Because that's my responsibility. I love you. The Good Samaritan saw a man laying in a ditch, beaten to death. A priest and a Levite passed on the other side. Don't want any part of it. Christians need to see through bifocals and say, that could be me. I could have been robbed. Maybe I need to stop and help Maybe I need to stop and help. At the same time, we must clean our own clauses for blind men do not make good guides. Magnifying glass. This is a lot of things that people have trouble with. I can't forget my sins. Done so much wrong. I just can't forget my sins. Some Christians keep their forgiving sins under a magnifying glass and they never let it run out of their mind. Folks, you can't do that. You don't need to do that. If God forgives you of your sins, your sins are forgiven. They're over. Now, you won't forget them completely, but don't be beat down by them. Don't keep them under that magnifying glass. Well, I did that bad thing. I did that bad thing. I did that horrible thing. Let it go. God will forgive it as far as the east is from the west. Let it go. If one has done what God said to do to have their sins removed, which is uh, repent and be baptized... And pray, God, that perhaps the thought of your heart will be forgiven you. Or walk in the light, holding on to Jesus' hand as Christ, as God is in the light. He'll forgive you. He will forgive you. Christians need to be good forgetters so they can look forward 
to the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Paul said that he was chief among sinners. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 here as he writes this letter, he's saying, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to the things that are above, I press toward the mark of the prize of the call of God in Christ Jesus. What should your situation be this evening? I don't know how you look at things. I don't know what kind of lens you use. But here's what should be. I need to get right with God, whether it be through baptism, whether it needs to be restored to the church, whether it needs to ask for prayers from the church. I need to get that, gotta get that fixed first. Get right with God. And then I've got to fix these problems in my life. And you know what else I've got to do? I've got to reach out to my brothers and sisters in Christ and say, Ryan, give me a little help. Kevin, give me a little help. I'm struggling with this, man. I am struggling with this. It's a problem. I need your help. Folks, the invitation is offered every time we come together. And the invitation says, Come unto me, all you that are labor and are heavy laden. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Jesus Christ died so that you can go to heaven. Don't let his death be in vain. If you have any need whatsoever this evening, please respond as we stand this morning.